0: Has anyone ever in your life gone the wrong way down a one-way street? Anybody here ever done that? You took a wrong turn and you are on a one-way street and you have a choice when you do that. At that moment, you have a choice. Either I stop and I turn this rig around or... I barrel through to the next intersection, hoping that it doesn't, you know, bring me into harm's way. And I would venture, most of us, just keep right on going, hoping that this will not end poorly. And sometimes that decision to do that can, in a worst-case scenario, not be a very good decision to make in our life. It reminds me of a scripture that says uh, that there is a way that seems right, to a person a man or a woman but the end of it is death and sometimes in life we take a wrong turn and end up going down the wrong way of a one-way street and uh, by going in that direction we think that this is leading us to the good life we think that we think sometimes that that this is the this is the course of my happiness i'm going to go in this direction i'm going to go in this way Because at the end of this is the good life. This is the better life. This is what I've always wanted. And we will insist on a relationship. We will insist on moving into a new thing or letting go of something that's important to us and moving in this direction. And we don't know at the time. We don't know at the time. Just like sometimes when we turn onto a one-way street, we don't realize sometimes we've done it. But then when you realize you've done it, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to stop and get turned around and get on the right direction moving in the right way or are we going to insist on just you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ride this out and see where it takes me well it it could end poorly it may not end well and i'm assuming in this room that every one of us want a good life i mean we want the we want the best of life you know i'm assuming that that you know this is why we choose to go to college we go to college get a better education hopefully to get a great job hopefully we quit one job and go to another job because we think this job is going to be a better job and going to give me a better life and it's going to be good there's going to be a good outcome we even do this in our faith in our in our idea of god or religion you know we think oh you know i'm i'm going to turn my life around i'm going to start going to church i want to start going to church Um, Or, you know, maybe I'm not very good at reading the Bible. I really, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start spending time with the Lord. And really what we're after is favor and blessing. We're after the good life. We We want things to change in our life. And so we make those kinds of decisions. And not only do we want a good life, but everybody in the world is trying to sell us the good life. I mean, all you need to do is turn on the TV today on the big game. There's going to be all kinds of products out there trying to sell you a better life or a good life. Every time we go on social media, there are ads on there telling you, get this, buy this, eat this. It will give you the good life. Only to discover that a good life isn't in the what we possess, it's in the who that we know. It's not in what you get. It's in who you know. And that brings us to Jesus. And today, I want to talk about Jesus because Jesus came to give us the good life. When God created everything, the Bible said, if you read the opening introduction of the Bible, the revelation of God, God created everything, and he said it was good, it was good, it was good, but Adam and Eve... Took a wrong turn, went down a, the wrong way on a one-way street. And you know what? They're not the only ones. We do it. And because of them, we do it. And in the spirit of them, we do it. But Jesus came. And he said, I'm here to wave you off from going down the wrong way. This is not the good life, the way you're going. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so... Today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this idea of the good life. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to open them with me to John chapter 10, you're going to want to do that because I'm going to look a lot at this. In order to have the good life, my first message of this series is that we need to we need to follow the good shepherd. If we're going to have a good life, we need a good shepherd in our life. And, uh, Jesus taught us about this and I want to, I'm going to come out of this chapter. I'm going to kind of bounce around it a little bit, but to begin with, I want to read a little portion of it and, uh, then we'll come back and we'll, we'll kind of break it down. And so let's look at it here together. John chapter 10, let's look at verse seven and following. Let's just read verse seven through 11. So Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to... Still, kill, and destroy, I have come that you might have life and that you might have a really good life, an overflowing life, a superabundant life, life abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. You want the good life? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life to create a whole new life for the sheep. And so that's the reading. We're going we're to look at that back and forth here today. And so keep your Bibles open there. And I can tell you, I've been prayed for. I feel like I was somewhat prayed up. I've studied, but I need a brand new touch. How many in the room could use a brand new touch? Come on, do you need somebody to touch you? About let's have the Lord touch us, Lord. We invite you now in these next few moments to touch us in a powerful way. Let your word just speak to us, God. Let our hearts be encouraged and and let, um, Lord, if we're going on, if we're heading in a wrong direction, help us today, Lord, to turn this thing around to get the life you've always wanted for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen, Amen. Amen. Well, when I read this passage, I don't know if you're like me, when I read this passage, it is one of the most heartwarming passages. It's very endearing to me from this side of Calvary to hear the words of Jesus, I'm the door and I'm the good shepherd and, you know, follow me. But to really understand what Jesus was saying, you know, when he was saying these words, These were very provocative words in the culture in which he was saying this and the people to whom he was saying it because he was, in no uncertain terms, drawing a line in the sand. Because in the passage, he says here, I am the door of the sheep and no one comes in or goes out unless they come through me, there isn't a second door. There isn't a door number two. There isn't a door number three. You don't have a multiplicity of doors that you can choose for your life to walk in and out of to bring you into salvation. He said in no uncertain terms, I am the door. And if anyone walks through me, they are saved. Meaning that if you don't walk through me, who am, I am the door. It's one of the great I am statements of Jesus. He said, there is no hope of eternal salvation. And not only does he say that, but he says, I am the good shepherd. And when he said that also, that was a, that was a very provocative thing to say because basically the, 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 the Jewish hearers around at that time knew that there was only one good shepherd. God, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here Jesus shows up and he said, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one. I am God come and basically that's what he was saying and so he was making these statements and he was saying essentially in the context that if you want to know the abundant life the true life the good life all that God has intended for you the only way to get there is in me it's through me there is no other way and this was so the, the, this was such a big deal that later on in chapter 10 and you could go home and read it for yourself later on after, the, after he taught all this, they all picked up stones and wanted to stone him. And, and he said to them, for which of the good works are you wanting to stone me and kill me? And they said, it's not for any good thing that you've done. It's because you say that you're God. You're claiming to be the way to eternal life. You're claiming to be the only door by which a person can be saved. You're claiming that you are What David said, the Lord is my shepherd. You're claiming to be the Lord. So to us, this is all warm and fuzzy. But in that time and in that culture, Jesus put his life on the line. And Jesus was saying to them, and He's saying to every one of us, don't miss the pungency of His words. This isn't intended to warm your heart. This is intended to cause us to come to reality that there is only one way to have the abundant life, and it's not in adding God into the course of your life and into your philosophy and into your way of living. It's you coming to the Lord and walking through the door of Jesus and following after the Good Shepherd. It's not having Jesus follow you around. You follow Jesus around. Come on now. Don't make me preach in this place. (laughs) Twice in this chapter, in verse 4 and verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep follow me. My sheep follow me. That's what we do. He leads, we follow. And so I want to talk about this idea of following the good shepherd into the good life, because that's where that's where he's leading us. Amen. And to follow the good shepherd, there are three things that I want to. I, I I'm sorry. I'm gonna let me just apologize right up front. I only have three points, but I got a gazillion subpoints. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better, but I just can't stop the madness. So. To follow the good shepherd, we must know, first of all, we, every one of us, you need to know your enemy, the devil. You have a good shepherd. And the implication of Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. He is drawing a distinction. There's some bad stuff out there. I'm good. But there's a lot of evil. I'm the good shepherd. I'm for you, not against you. But know this. I'm good, but there is an awful lot of bad junk. And he said, and you, we read it here in verse 10, he drew that distinction. He said, the thief, everybody say the thief. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And that term thief is a, in the context, in the broader context of what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about, the devil he's talking about Satan and he's saying that you have an enemy you need to understand just like sheep there are wolves and there are coyotes and there are, there are predators that want to take sheep out you need to understand there is a thief and I love the term that he uses for thief the, the Greek word for thief and for steal is the word kleptes and it's the word from which we get klepto as in a kleptomaniac And you know what a kleptomaniac is? It is someone who can't help themselves. They may have all the money in the world, but they're not going to pay for it. They walk into stores and they just have that five finger discount where they just grab it and just walk out with it. They, they almost, it's very, it's a kind of a neurotic, you know, thing about them, they just want this. They, and they don't want to pay for it. They just want it for themselves. And, and like a klepto, Satan can't help himself. He just wants to take away what belongs to you. He can't use it. He just doesn't want you to have it. He hates God, but he can't do anything with God. So he comes at those whom the Lord loves and he wants to rob with the intention of bringing destruction in our life. Amen? Are you with me out there? And so we need to know our enemy. We need to understand that we have a real enemy out there wanting to rob us of our joy, wanting to steal away our freedom, wanting to destroy our lives and our relationships and all the things that are important in our life and all the things that are about God's blessing and goodness in our lives. But we need to be aware of the devil, and partly what we need to be aware of, and I'm going to do a quick little short teaching on this idea of how Satan works, what, what we need to be aware of. And so, Sherry, if you just bring up those three points together, I'm trying to speed things up here. So here's how the devil works. He works, first of all, through deception. Everybody say deception. Another term would be disinformation, incorrect information. Or incorrect knowledge. It may have some elements of truth. But it's twisted. It's deceiving. It's misleading. The devil will often come and lie to us. And get in our head. And whisper lies through our school systems. Through our parenting. Hey. Even through the pulpit. And all he has to do is just be ever so off. And if we buy into it, if we believe it, if we receive it, what happens is his lies become our thoughts. And when his lies become our thoughts, they get into our emotions to the point where almost unconsciously we're doing our will, which is really the devil's will, which is not God's will. And this happens with people in the church all the time. We're making decisions based upon lies that we're believing, which come from Satan. He deceives us, and when he gets us into, into deception, and when we start buying the lie, what he does is he makes us vulnerable to the temptation. See, what he wants to do is get you believe a lie so that you will fall prey to the snare of a temptation in your life and make a decision based on your emotions and not on the truth. And if he can get you to buy into it and see people say, well, you know, well, can I just say the devil is your enemy, but sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Can I tell you that the devil can't make you commit a sin? He can't, he can't, he he can't, he can't make you be afraid. You have to believe a lie that embraces fear. He can't make you fornicate you have to believe believe a lie that will make you 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 make those kinds of decisions yourself and and you're believing some misleading disinformation it's incorrect knowledge it's not from god it may have little snippets of truth in it but it's still poison we gotta know our enemy we better be aware Come on, we need to know our enemy. Listen, think of all the regrettable things you did in your life. You can't say the devil made me. You're the one that went there. You're the one that thought that. You're the one that did it. You're the one that smoked it. You're the one that shot it up. You're the one that ate it. I said in the first service, you were the one that dated it. You're the one that married it. <laughs> Come on. Don't blame you know that was you. That was you. You have a real enemy. But if he can get you to believe his lie, you become your own worst enemy. So he gets us into deception, temptation, and then he turns right around and then he accuses you of giving into it. And he shames you and he tries to Gets you to scatter, strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So he tries to get you, he he strikes at the reality of the of Jesus in your life, and you run in fear and condemnation and shame and hiding and always hiding and never really settling down and never really, you know, going all the way in and just getting in because that's the devil. The Bible said he he accuses the brethren night and day. He's in your head. He lies. And then when we retain the lie, he tempts because he's triggered a deeper issue in our heart. You've been triggered, and when you give in to it, he turns right around and says, you're a sorry Christian. Amen. So if we're going to follow the good shepherd, number one, Jesus says you need to be aware. You need to be aware of your enemy the thief Amen are we okay out there The second thing is, is you need to know yourself You need to know that you're the sheep You're the sheep That's what you are You're not Eeyore You're not Piglet You're not I don't care what your personality type is I don't care what position you hold in the company You're the sheep I'm the sheep. Amen. Why sheep? You know, in the Bible, sheep are mentioned well over 200 times. And Just for, to help all the pet lovers out there, just, just so we know, got it straight. Dogs are mentioned only 44 times. Cats, a big fat zero. And we're not counting lions because that's not a cat. I know it is, but I knew, I knew, I knew after I prepared this message, I knew, I knew cats were not, they're not a god. They're just not. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, I do that on purpose. I got, I got roasted and after the second service, or the first service. But why sheep? Here it is. You ready for this? Because sheep best represent Our humanity. Remember that time when Jesus was going through, it's found in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus was going through the villages, the Bible said, and he was healing, and he was restoring, and he was touching people in their brokenness. And then he went up onto the side of a mountain, it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and it said, he looked out and he saw the multitude, and his heart was filled with compassion, because as he looked at them, he saw them as sheep. That we're without a shepherd. That's how God sees us. That's the heart. That's that's the way the Lord sees us. And here's some reasons why. Sherry, I didn't ask you to do this in the first. I didn't. Can you bring just bring all three of those up? I'm trying to speed myself up. So she's going to give you. Here's 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 what you need to know about yourself and me. We all do. I'm dumb sheep are dumb, sheep are directionless, and sheep are defenseless. Now, don't, don't take this to heart as in God sees us as being, you know, um, intellectually challenged, like in that sense. But sheep are, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're dumb. They're dumb. They, 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 they don't they're slow learners and they're they really need a lot of care and a lot of oversight because they will they will they're directionalists they will just wander off and go in their own way even if some shepherds I read about they said you can even bring them to the greenest of pastures. But if you don't watch over them and kind of keep them in that area, they will, they will just, they're prone to wander off and just leave the greener pastures for whatever else they don't even know. They're just going off in their own direction. And they can't find their way back. And they can't find their way through a wet paper bag. I mean, they, they get into situations. Mark Rheinschmidt, Schmidt, he raised sheep All of his growing up days and he told me about a a situation in which a mother sheep had a, she had a little lamb and and she wasn't tending to the lamb. And so they went off looking for her and they found her dead down in a marsh and her head was wedged between uh, two cattails. So she had gone down in to drink the water and she got her head wet. And when she went down to drink the water, she couldn't pull back. Her head was stuck. And they found that lamb, that sheep, dead there. Because she didn't lift her head up and step back. Sheep are dumb. Now, I read another story in eastern Turkey where there were shepherds watching over 1,500 sheep but they went went off around the corner to eat breakfast and after a while when they came back the sheep were all gone and they walked searching for them went down a little ways and there was a cliff, ridge and all 1,500 sheep had walked off the side of that ridge 400 of them died because they were at the bottom and all the 1,100 fell on top of them they were survived (laughs) and here's what happened one of those sheep Walked over the edge. And then another one walked over the edge. And then another one walked over the edge. You'd think by five or six be like, bah. Wait just a minute. I don't think this is a good direction. But no. All fifteen hundred went over the edge. That's dumb. Come on, that's dumb. Now, before we get offended about this, before you take this too hard, just look around you. (laughs) Seriously. Look around you. You sit there and watch news like I watch news. And you don't say it out loud, but you're like, this is dumb. Over and over again. Look at the... Look at the decisions people are making. Your dad made that same decision. What are you thinking? One over the edge, Jesus said, the blind leading the blind, and they all fall into the ditch. Everybody, it just, it just, it's our propensity. And another thing about us is that we can't find our own way out. We think, oh, okay, that path didn't work. I'll try this path. That relationship didn't work. I'll go after this relationship. This job didn't work. I think I'll take that job. I'll just quit that. I won't even show up. I'll just go over here. And over and over and over and we leave a path of destruction behind us. That's not the good life. And they're defenseless too. Now sheep will bite and they can kick. But how many know that doesn't work against a wolf? Come on, they cannot, almost all other domesticated animals can figure out how to live in the wild. Sheep cannot. They are not, they can't do it. They don't have a, they don't have a tail that rattles, that wards off. They don't have canines. They don't, they can't hiss like a demonic cat, you know. (laughs) Right? They just don't have that capability. They need a shepherd. <laughs> Feel the love. Feel the love. I'm teasing. Okay, I won't bring it up again. I won't bring it up again. I don't think. They're defenseless. And here's what First John, John 5.19 says. The whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. That's where people are they're under the power of the devil. They can't they can't figure, they can't but can I tell you as a as a as a sheep in the fold the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Hallelujah. And so we need to know our enemy for sure. Not not concerning ourselves with being, you know, fascinated with the demonic, but just beware of how he works. But then I also need to know I'm the sheep. I can't I can't figure my own life out. I can't run my life. I need to come I need to go in and out through the door. I need to come through Jesus. I need to depend on him. He's the shepherd. Which brings me then to my third and final point is that you need to know your shepherd too. And your shepherd is Jesus number three. Know your shepherd. So know your enemy. Know yourself. But know your shepherd. And I want you to look with me in chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus said, in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. This is a really important verse. I'm the good shepherd. You're not the shepherd. You're the sheep. You have an enemy, but don't worry about him because I got... I, got, I take care of that business too, but you need to be aware, but you're the sheep, but I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. How many are thankful that Jesus knows you today? He knows you by name. He knows who you are. Paul said to Timothy, the Lord knows those who are his. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you belong to the Lord. You're in good hands. Amen. I know my sheep. But then he went and he said, And my sheep know me. They know me. They know me. See, the way to the good life is we need to know Jesus. And that word know, the Greek word for that is "gnosko," And that word was used in Jewish culture. It means to learn or to gain knowledge through experience. But it was an idiom that was used oftentimes in explaining the, intimus, the intimate relationship between a husband and wife. Like, and his, and, uh, his husband knew, genosko his wife. Speaking of that, that, that deepest relationship between a, a husband and wife. And so what Jesus is talking about here is not just having a head knowledge or a religious knowledge, which is our world is filled with that, but having a relational knowledge, a intimate knowledge, a relationship knowledge where I know that I'm a sheep and I know who my shepherd is. And Jesus said we need to know him and follow him. And so here's what we can really know about our shepherd. And I do want to just take a couple of moments and just draw out some of the things that are in this passage. First of all, we need to know that our good shepherd will guide us every day through everything. He will bring us right where he wants us to be. He is our guide. And I want you to see this in chapter 10, verses three and following. Jesus said, to him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep, listen, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings out his, his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Look at how the Lord leads. The favorite way by which God loves to communicate with you or or to relate to you is through the ear gate. He's not He's not like, oh, I'll I'll give them tantalizing things out here to look at and to go after. No, the Lord wants you to learn to listen to his voice. The way Jesus leads is you and I by hearing his voice. Amen. And then he said in verse 5, look at it again. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. But will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. There are all kinds of voices coming into your head. Every day. But there's one voice that guides. There's one voice. There's only one voice that can lead. And you can't make another voice your guide. The voice of the Lord Jesus Christ must be the one that leads. Amen. I was watching YouTube a number of years ago, and I came across this YouTube uh, uh, this uh, video of a shepherd showing demonstrating how sheep listen. They they learn the voice of their master, and they will not listen to another voice. And so he took these people out to a field, and the sheep were up on the side of the ridge there, and they were feeding and just kind of meandering about. And they he had each he had like three different people call out. The very kind of call that he makes, but out it was them doing it. And as the, each one of them called, the sheep would just, they didn't even pay attention. Didn't even lift their head. They just kept grazing or doing what they were doing. And then the shepherd steps up into the frame and he begins to do his call. And as he called, one by one, those, the sheep raise their head. And they look in the direction of the shepherd and then within about 30 seconds, they all began to barrel for him. And they all ran and rushed around him and just like, yeah, we're here. What do you want? What do you want? I'm here. I'm here, Lord. And I, was, I wanted to play that for you guys today, but it was going to cost $50, and I thought, you can watch it for free. And I don't, have to, I don't have to pay for it, and you can watch it for free. Saving money where I can, you know. Life is about learning to listen to Jesus' voice because he guides. He'll take you right where he wants you to be. The second thing we need to know about our good shepherd, he guides and he provides. Let me say it like this. Wherever he guides, he will provide. If he brought you to this field then stop doing like some sheep do and just meander off of where He brought you to, just looking for another place, looking for a better thing, looking for a greener pasture. Just stay right where He brought you because what He has for you is right there. I mean, there were times I know the Lord led me here, but there have been times in the last 22 years that I'm like, I'm ready to leave the field. But I don't think the Lord is guiding me anywhere else at this stage in my life or this place in my life. And so I know that even though I have rough days and rough patches and I have disappointment and I get really discouraged, I know that right where I'm at, where He's guided me, He will provide for me. And that's what Jesus said here in verse 9. He said, He will lead them out, and he said the sheep, because he's the door, he said they will go in and out, and they will find pasture, because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He brings me to green pastures. He provides, and I love what Jesus said here. He said the sheep will follow him. They will go in and out. He's talking about the sheep pen at night as a part of protection, and he said he'll lead them out, and they will find pasture. Can I just say something? This is just a little side note. Jesus will lead you to the field, but you need to find the pasture for yourself. In other words, get out of the life that God has made available to you, all that makes that life good. He's brought you to the place. It's kind of like the Lord brought me here in ministry, and I'm, now I'm just going to sit around, okay, Lord, just feed me, feed me. You know, no, go after it. Find a way to make happen for why Jesus brought you there. Does that make sense? That's just a little side note, maybe a sermon all into itself, but not today. Where he guides, he provides. Here's another thing our good shepherd does. He corrects us. Remember that verse, Isaiah 53, 6? We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each one in our own way. Remember that? Anybody here ever gone astray? Anybody here ever kind of like find yourself going off? Come on. And you know what the shepherd does? He corrects that. There's a verse of Scripture that says in uh, Proverbs ten seventeen. That he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. The shepherd has a staff, and at the end of that staff there's a crook, and the crook goes around, and it usually flares out right at the end. And the purpose of that crook, among some other things, the main purpose is that that's the shepherd's staff, and it becomes an instrument in his hand that when a, there, there's a sheep that's prone to waywardness, or running away, or going off in another direction, or maybe they're going through some difficult terrain, and it's not paying attention, because you know, it's kind of dumb, and so the shepherd will reach out with his his staff, with the crook at the end, and he will just kind of, you know, wrap it around the neck, and kind of nudge it this way, or maybe grab it by the hind leg, and pull it back. Correction. That's what it is. It's not beating the sheep correcting it because we all need correction we all keep making those same dumb moves why are we doing that and so jesus takes his shepherd's staff and he loop, you know pulls us gets it you know just kind of hey wait a minute hold it where are you going what are you doing what are you thinking this isn't working this has not worked Hang in there, stay with me, right? I remember a couple it was just a couple of weeks ago I had a dream. I think I told you about it, didn't I? I told you that morning. I had a dream and in my dream somebody had asked me to come up to the front and to do a little teaching on my philosophy of discipline. I don't know where this I I don't know where this dream came from. I don't know what it meant or anything like that. And and the the idea of the of the the sense that I got about it was Tell us what your philosophy is about disciplining your children, and how did you do that? And so I remember going up to the front, and I remember in my dream, I was like, oh, man, I, I really got to get this right, because I know I didn't do it right. You know, <laughs> you know I didn't always do it right, so I was like, I, I, what, it really matters what I say here, and I was trying to convey what, what the philosophy, what, what the, I guess, if you will, the theology of discipline is, why why it's so important to, you know, that we... We are corrected, you know, because we go astray. And, and I had that dream, and I don't remember anything that I really said. And I woke up out of that dream, and, and then I went downstairs. And I, you know, was getting ready to, you know, I got to have my coffee if I'm going to have devotions. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? So, anyway, I went downstairs, and I was getting ready. My dad sends out a text every day. Like, there's hardly a day that goes by that my dad doesn't send out a text to all of his kids and it's just random scriptures. That's what it is. It's usually a random scripture. And that's nothing more. And that day, I remember looking at the phone, and I saw that he had texted, and so I just, I just popped on there, and, and the scripture was, after I had that dream and I just woke up, the scripture was, the Lord disciplines those, the, the Lord loves those whom he disciplines. And I literally said out loud, uh-oh. Like, what did I do? You know, come on, what did I do? Now, nothing ever, to my mind, nothing ever became of that. I don't, I mean, if I don't know what that meant, but I just thought, that's just too strange, you know? But God does correct us. And are we listening? I heard an old 80s song that came out the other, uh, I listened to it last night and it, there's a there's a phrase in there that says you can listen as well as you can hear. And you can listen. God's, God will bring correction if you'll listen. It'll be that shepherd's crook around your neck or on your leg or around your side, just something to pull you back amen so the lord guides he provides he corrects he protects oh sorry i gotta hurry he protects the good shepherd jesus said verse 11 the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep i love that david said yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me i always i read that Passage of scripture a lot at funerals, but it's not really about death. It's about life. He's saying, when I go through times when the enemy is coming against me and I feel the threat of the predator upon me, your rod and your staff, that rod, that club, that club that the shepherd holds beats off the predator. I'm going to tell you, you're not fighting your battles alone. The good shepherd is with you. Stay with him. Amen? Another thing, he never never stops. Why don't you come on up, uh, Katie? He never stops working. He never stops working. Sherry, and bring up the last one too with that. And he never lets go. He never stops working. And he never lets go. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for my sheep. Do you know that Jesus, he laid down his life on the cross for your salvation, but he laid down his life he do you realize that jesus took upon himself the form of humanity for all of eternity for you and me he's not a human being but he took on the form of humanity god became like man and when he was resurrected he received that immortal body but we will see jesus face to face god took on the image of you and i He laid down his life for us and he's always working for our good. We are, the Bible says that God's thoughts for us cannot even be calculated. He's got so many things, so many thoughts. He's working in your life to such a degree. And here's this, he's not only always working in you and not not always only working for you, but he'll never let you go. And I want to show this to you in the final verses of this this passage on this. If you look at verse 27 and following, he says, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Hallelujah. I love that. Jesus says, I've got you. You are in the grip of my goodness and my grace. No no person and no principality can snatch you away from the Lord. Hallelujah. And then verse 28, look at it. Uh, Verse 29, I'm sorry. He says, and my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So you are, you got a double clutch. You are double gripped. Jesus has you. And if you'll let him, if you'll just let him hold on to you, he'll bring you right to that good life. He'll bring you right into it. Amen. Can we all stand together? With the prayer uh, people, come on up. Those those of you who are going to be praying for anyone, I'm going to pray a a prayer of dismissal here in just a moment. But if you're here today, and if if anything we talked about or any other care that you might have or, or situation in your life you'd like someone to pray with you about, these wonderful people are here today to pray with you. But let's just pray right now. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Jesus, we we want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. And you've come to give us a good life. The best life. The most fulfilling life. The overflowing and abundant life. And I just pray, Lord, that every one of us, not just for today, but especially as we move into another week, another season of our life, that we would realize, God, that that we are the sheep of your pasture. And you have the best of intentions for us. And that we would accept that. That instead of looking for greener pastures, we would just keep looking for you. not trusting in our own senses, not trusting in our own heart, but trusting in your heart for us. I just, I feel in my spirit that the Lord would just want to just encourage any one of you not not to beat yourself up for any lack of following. Because You can turn this around. You can turn around. You don't have to keep going down the wrong way of a one-way street that doesn't lead to the good life. Jesus called you here today to help you turn around. I pray that you would receive that. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen.